Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of pneumothorax found under the pulmonary section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 22-year-old man presents to the emergency department with chest pain. He was playing basketball when his symptoms suddenly started. The patient is a tall man, and there is no observable trauma to the chest wall. He is hemodynamically stable and currently endorses pleuritic chest pain. Let's continue with an introduction to pneumothorax. Clinically, it is defined as air entry into the chest cavity that causes collapse of the lung without signs of tension physiology, which would include hypotension, tachycardia, and jugular venous distension. A primary pneumothorax has no underlying pulmonary disease. In contrast, a secondary pneumothorax does have underlying pulmonary disease. In terms of epidemiology, remember that demographically, a primary pneumothorax affects tall and thin men. Risk factors for secondary pneumothorax include smoking. In terms of the pathogenesis, the mechanism of pneumothorax involves a rupture of an emphysematous bleb. And conditions associated with primary pneumothorax are a spontaneous process, whereas conditions associated with secondary pneumothorax include COPD, asthma, cystic fibrosis, infections such as pneumonia, abscess, and tuberculosis, interstitial lung disease, connective tissue disease, procedures such as subclavian lines, thoracentesis, bronchoscopy, and mechanical ventilation, and blunt trauma. Moving on to the presentation, remember that symptoms include sudden onset, unilateral, pleuritic chest pain, and dyspnea. On physical exam, one may note decreased or absent breath sounds, hyperresonance on percussion, absence of tracheal deviation or jugular venous distension, which would imply a tension pneumothorax, and decreased or absent tactile fremitus. In terms of other studies that may be performed, diagnostic testing would involve imaging, such as chest radiographs, which are the best initial test and will show collapsed lungs, as evidenced by a lack of pulmonary markings extending to the periphery. Computed tomography of the chest is the most accurate test, However, it is often not indicated, but can be ordered if there is clinical suspicion with a normal appearing chest radiograph. This can also further elucidate other injuries, such as rib fractures. An ultrasound can be used to demonstrate an absence of lung sliding. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about primary spontaneous pneumothorax, secondary spontaneous pneumothorax, tension pneumothorax, with a distinguishing factor being the presence of tension physiology, which includes hypotension, tachycardia, jugular venous distension, and poor oxygen saturation, and it can be associated with procedures such as central line placement, and also make sure to think about a panic attack, with the distinguishing factor being that there is only sinus tachycardia without other organic etiologies of symptoms. And in terms of treatment, remember that the management approach involves always starting with the ABCs of trauma prior to diagnostic testing. A small pneumothorax with stable vitals and an asymptomatic patient may be treated with 100% oxygen and observation. Oftentimes, the pneumothorax will resorb. A large pneumothorax or a symptomatic patient can be treated with aspiration, such as with a needle thoracentesis and a chest tube or pigtail catheter. One should have a lower threshold to place a chest tube if it is a secondary pneumothorax. And also remember that this can be a primary treatment or it may be used if needle aspiration fails. For a recurrent pneumothorax, one may use video-assisted thoracoscopic surgery or a pleurodesis, 
which involves injecting an irritant into the pleural space so that the pleural layers will scar together. And lastly, complications related to pneumothorax involve recurrence, and remember that a bilateral pneumothorax can cause hemodynamic instability and that pneumothoraces may progress to a tension pneumothorax. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to pneumothorax, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 55-year-old man presents to the emergency department after he was found unconscious at a playground. The patient is homeless, has a history of polysubstance abuse, and smells of alcohol. His temperature is 101 degrees Fahrenheit, or 38.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 107 over 58. Pulse is 120 beats per minute. Respirations are 27 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 89% on room air. Physical exam is notable for an unkempt man who answers questions inappropriately. A chest radiograph is performed and demonstrates bilateral coalescent opacities. The patient begins to vomit and is promptly suctioned and intubated. The patient is transferred to the intensive care unit and his positive end expiratory pressure is optimized to maximize lung compliance. The fracture of inspired oxygen and positive end expiratory pressure is steadily increased to maintain the patient's oxygen saturation. The patient suddenly decompensates with his oxygen saturation dropping from 93% to 82%. Which of the following is the most likely etiology of the patient's acute decompensation? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Acute respiratory distress syndrome Choice 2. Aspiration pneumonia Choice 3. Hospital-acquired pneumonia Choice 4. Pneumothorax or Choice 5. Right mainstem bronchus intubation The best answer to this question is choice four, pneumothorax. This patient is presenting with an initial diagnosis of acute respiratory distress syndrome, followed by sudden respiratory decompensation with increasing ventilator support, in particular an increased positive end expiratory pressure, suggesting a diagnosis of a pneumothorax. Intubation is indicated whenever a patient is unable to protect their airway, has impending airway loss, or fails to oxygenate or ventilate on their own. Patients who are intubated and mechanically ventilated should have their respiratory function optimized using the settings on the ventilator. The fraction of inspired oxygen should be kept as low as possible such that the patient is saturating well with a goal of 95% or greater. In addition, the tidal volume should be optimized to not overdistend the lung, which could cause barotrauma. However, low tidal volumes may predispose the patient to poor ventilation or oxygenation. Another important parameter to titrate on the ventilator is the PEEP. The PEEP should be optimized such that it is not too low, which can predispose the patient to adelect trauma, and not too high, which can predispose the patient to barotrauma. Patients with high tidal volumes or PEEP levels are at risk of increased pressure within the lung, which can predispose the patient to a pneumothorax. A pneumothorax will present with sudden respiratory decompensation in an intubated patient with no other clear explanation for the change in respiratory status. If the patient demonstrates tension physiology, such as tracheal deviation, jugular venous distension, and hypotension, then immediate needle decompression and chest tube placement are necessary. On the other hand, a spontaneous pneumothorax can be managed with placement of a chest tube. Auscultation of the lungs can support the diagnosis. However, normal lung sounds are often heard in a pneumothorax. Thus, it is not a sufficiently sensitive finding. 
radiography of the chest can support the diagnosis of a pneumothorax and will demonstrate a collapsed lung with an absence of pulmonary markings traveling to the periphery of the chest wall. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Acute respiratory distress syndrome is the initial diagnosis that caused this patient to be intubated. In the setting of his likely alcoholism, the most likely etiology is pancreatitis or an aspiration event, or perhaps both. However, the natural progression of acute respiratory distress syndrome would not result in an immediate or moment-to-moment -moment decompensation in respiratory function. Choice 2. Aspiration pneumonia would present in an intoxicated patient with a fever and an opacity on chest radiograph. It would not result in sudden respiratory decompensation. However, it is possible that an aspiration event was the initial trigger for this patient's acute respiratory distress syndrome. Choice 3. Hospital-acquired pneumonia presents with a fever and opacity on chest radiography in a hospitalized patient 24 to 48 hours after hospital admission. Pneumonia would not cause such sudden respiratory decompensation. Choice 5. Right mainstem bronchus intubation would present with unilateral breath sounds, unequal chest rise, and poor ventilation and oxygenation. Given that there were no alterations in this patient's endotracheal tube, this is an unlikely etiology to respiratory decompensation. Finally, a bullet summary. A pneumothorax is a possible complication in patients who are intubated secondary to hyperinflation of the lung and a high PEEP. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 33-year-old man presents to the emergency department after a motor vehicle collision. He was the front seat unrestrained driver in a head-on collision. The patient has a Glasgow coma scale of 5 and is subsequently intubated. Physical exam is notable for subcutaneous emphysema in the clavicular area. Needle decompression and chest tube placement are performed, and the patient is stabilized after receiving 2 units of blood and 2 liters of fluid. Chest radiography demonstrates proper tube location and resolution of the pneumothorax. The patient is transferred to the trauma intensive care unit. On the unit, a repeat chest radiograph is notable for a recurrent pneumothorax with the chest tube in place. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Esophageal rupture Choice 2. Inappropriate chest tube placement Choice 3. Spontaneous pneumothorax Choice 4. Tension pneumothorax Or Choice 5. Tracheobronchial rupture The best answer to this question is, choice 5, tracheobronchial rupture. This patient is presenting after major trauma with a persistent and recurrent pneumothorax and subcutaneous emphysema after chest tube placement suggesting a diagnosis of tracheobronchial rupture. Tracheobronchial rupture presents after significant trauma with chest pain, subcutaneous emphysema, and a pneumothorax. A unique or distinguishing feature of a tracheobronchial tree injury is the presence of recurrent pneumothoraces despite tube thoracostomy. Radiographic findings can include marked air in local soft tissue, associated fractures demonstrating major trauma, and interstitial air in the wall of the trachea or bronchi. Any patient with recurrent pneumothoraces despite chest tube placement or subcutaneous emphysema will need operative intervention to repair the underlying injury. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Esophageal rupture typically occurs after trauma, vomiting, or instrumentation, and presents with fever, crepitus, tachypnea, tenderness, dysphagia, and even pneumothorax. 
Though this is a possible diagnosis in this patient, the tracheobronchial tree is more likely to be injured, and the absence of dysphagia and presence of recurrent pneumothoraces point more toward tracheobronchial rupture. Choice 2. Inappropriate chest tube placement is possible. However, it would have never resolved this patient's pneumothorax in the first place. Similarly, placement was confirmed with a chest radiograph. Choice 3. Spontaneous pneumothorax would present in an asymptomatic patient or in a patient with mild chest pain and shortness of breath. It would not be associated with major trauma and recurrent pneumothoraces. Choice 4. Tension pneumothorax would present with signs of tension physiology, such as hypotension, tachycardia, jugular venous distension, and tracheal deviation, and would initially be treated with needle decompression followed by chest tube placement, which would resolve this patient's symptoms. Finally, a bullet summary. Tracheobronchial rupture occurs after major trauma and presents with persistent and recurrent pneumothoraces even after chest tube placement. That's all for this review about pneumothorax. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.